record for us. And uh, here, away we go. Okay. <laughs> Christmas time in the city. Excalibros. That doesn't make any sense. Let's start over. Like, that was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I was doing. I was just trying to think of like, oh yeah, it's December. Let's do something. No, that was, that was dumb. All right, three, two, one. It's a slog, but we're ready to go, aren't we, Dan? Oh, we are. We're ready to keep winter warm with book burning. Book Oh, God, let's hope not. Welcome to Excalibros, everybody. Uh, we're, it's been a while, but we're back with a, a brand new issue of old comic books. And uh, as as Dan alluded to, maybe not the best issues, maybe not the best books, but we'll we'll, we'll get through. I see. Tis the season to be merry and all. Mm. Tis the so, season yeah. to get drunk and forget we read these books. I think. True. Well, I think we should start with the less offensive. I mean, the 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 least ag- aggressively boring. I don't know what went how to describe them. To be fair. Uh, we should start with Exiles, the issue twenty-two. I think that's that's an appropriate way to <laughs> to describe that book. <laughs> sure, let's do it. Let's start um, with Exiles. So, because so, mine's a collective, um, as we always know with Dan's collection, uh, I have no uh, on the front cover. I have no titles. It's just it's just the image. So, I'm, from the giant amount of black space on the right hand side of this image, I imagine there's lots. Of words. You want me to say? <laughs> On the top it says Legacy, Conclusion, Exiles, in like bright neon font. Uh, and then to the right it says One Shall Fall, dot, dot, dot. See, it's just, for me, it's just a black background with. See, even here, Sunfire and Sasquatch are deleted from, <laughs> from the system. It's the, it's the core group. I suppose, which I feel really unfair. It feels weird saying a car group when there's only six members. A car group is like like Hickman's Avengers, where there's like fair 300 of them, and the car group is six. Right, right, right. No. Uh, <laughs> this is the quote-unquote car group of Winix uh, run. We have uh, Mimic, uh, Blink, TJ, and Moth. And they don't look bad. They don't look good. They just are there. All sad. They, they all look sad. They're colored like mid to late 90s Marvel collector cards, um, which at the time I thought, whoa, this is so cool. But now I'm like, ooh, this is so rough. Yeah, it has... It's, um... Plasticky. Yes. Um, and um, that's all I could say about it. <laughs> yeah, let's let's move on past this cover. Right, so, right. so we start uh, where we left off. Uh, well, who are, who, who are our creatives here, Dan? Oh, shit, yeah. Sorry, it's because it never says it. I have to go all the way up to the beginning. Uh, right, so the creators will be... Uh, Judd Winnick is writing this issue. Um, Jim Calafiori is the penciler, I hope. Yes. Uh, the ink is John Holdridge, possibly Eric Cannon. Yep. But the colorist is Transparency Digital. Digital. Um... So yes, uh, Legacy, we conclude our three-part, possibly should have been a two-part storyline um, with where we left off. Uh, Blink has been infected by the... I want to say it's a transmode virus, but I feel like I've just pulled out of my ass and it's actually just like phalanx. She's been infected by the phalanx. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that. Sure. Um, 
and everyone's trying to figure out if they can make a cure. We've got giant hypodermic needles on guns and cows screaming and everyone's very upset. And also, uh, Hank Pym and Cal, if you minus some facial hair, are the same person um, visually. So it was quite interesting to see like an older version of Cal, which is supposed to be Hank Pym. Yes, this is exactly... I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah Cal has that little soul patch, but otherwise, same dude. Same, same dude. So while while um, Carl's having a bit of a moment, even though he's um, been treating um, Blink like trash for the past, I want to say four issues. Yeah, he's while, been kind of a dick. Uh, we have um, Rachel and Morph doing some telekinetic seancing with some books that have markings on, wink wink, and Morph's all coy about what's happening. But he's got a plan. He's a man with a plan, is all we need to know. Then in the Avengers War Room, uh, Hank is going off on one again. And then we find out, because this is when we found out that the Talos actually said that we have to blow up the world, because if not, the V-Locks will just, everything in the universe will be V-Lock. So we have to stop it here. And the plan is to basically suicide drive a plane into a tiny warehouse that has all the nuclear nuclear bombs in it and boom everything's finished um tj volunteers because she's the best pilot there which is something that her character has never mentioned before Um, yes it's like suddenly in star trek we're like no i'm the better pilot we all know that you're like really i've never seen you fly anything before but all right, yeah. I guess that's your character now. So, okay. And then, um, it's nice to see uh, Heather or Sasquatch actually have some lines here and be the one that's like, uh, no offense, dudes, but like, there's nothing to say we won't just teleport out when this world blows up. So like, maybe it should be one of you guys. Which is it. Which uh, yes, her logic, exactly. <laughs> her logic is sound. And in those five or six sentences, I'm like, mm, I'm behind your character. Of like, being kind of like, mm, we don't need to do it. <laughs> We definitely don't. And uh, also, um, Sun- Sunfire actually gets at least, um, I'd say, about seven words in two pages, which is more than she's had since she's arrived in the um, in the book. Then we have a nice scene between uh, Mimic and Unconscious uh, Blink, which Mimic basically is like, yeah, I'm a dick. Uh, hopefully you'll be okay soon. Um TJ's all ready to go, and then bang, someone hits it from behind. Lo and behold, it's Mimic! And Mimic has pulled a full-on, as TJ would say, after she references Star Trek. Star Wars, sorry. She references Star Trek about a nerve pinch. Yes. Um, And then we find out a lot about Cal's mutant power, or should I say a really interesting idea about his mutant power. When he's metal, he's got like psychic defenses, so you can't talk to him. Sure. Um, that's plot convenience. I don't know. Yes, like I mean, he's 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 taken his powers from Colossus, right? So I've never heard of Colossus being like impregnable to psychic attacks or psychic thought when he was in his his steel form. It's kind of weird. Maybe it's the mixture of the five he has all oh. working. Who knows? It's just there, so people can be like, we can't shout him off because of what happens next, which is. Rachel finishes her incantation, and lo and behold, Morph's plan was to summon the one thing this world has not seen, and that is the Asgardian gods. 
And as Guardian, as we all know, as Guardian God's blood just cures everyone and everything. And they instantly realize that with their blood, they can cure Blink. And they're like, oh, we should really tell uh, Mimic to turn around, but he's too far gone. So we'll just... <laughs> We'll just tell the bad guys instead that this guy's coming and they can blow him out of the pl- blow him out of the sky instead. Yeah, in, which in is, true uh, in true form, Hank Pym's like, "Oh, fuck him! Let's have him let's have him kill our, our friends." <laughs> it's like, "Okay, yeah. Hank, <laughs> I love you too, buddy." And then we have some Vlocks try and take him down, and in, and in a great nod to this podcast, Captain Britain is there getting his um, ass handed to him as usual. Um, <laughs> yes, I love that. I, I just saw Captain Britain. I was like, "Oh, this is perfect," especially when he gets. Um, shanked essentially at the end. There. Yes. Um, it's like, yep, you are as useless in this universe as you are in any, Brian. Um, uh, and then Blink, and then Blink is awake, even though she's still a bit, you know, uh, phalanxy. And she teleports to the plane, teleports, tells Mimic to fly up, teleports Mimic out, explosion over the hemisphere of the planet, which looks like it probably irradiate the world for quite some time. Um, everyone's super happy, Ching, and everyone's like, "Oh yay!" And obviously, Thor's got a beer, and then the time broker arrives with Ileana Rasputin in a semi-medieval getup, and she's like, "I have been in hinders from time," and the time broker's like, "One of you have uh, finished your mission," and it's all very tense. And then the Talus teleports onto Mimic's uh, wrist, and Blink blinks away, with everyone looking very sad. The end. I was a little surprised. I don't know about you. The first time you read this issue, were you a little surprised? I was because I was like, "She's the isn't she the only reason this book exists?" Yeah, um, yes, I know. <laughs> I was. I generally thought out of all of the when it said one of you fixed the mission, I thought it would be Morph. I remember when I read this, and I generally thought, "Oh, it's Morph because he made the plan which saved the universe." You know, saved them all. Right. Maybe it's like his reward. Right. Um. But. I was kind of shocked that it was Blink, and I do think it's really clever. Even though what we're about to read after this um, isn't is is neither here nor there, because uh, it's Chuck Austin. Um, but I thought it was really clever that they took a they, they essentially spoilers take a break from this team for three issues, mm-hmm. and then we get jump then we jump back in with what's happened. And I do like the fact that uh, they replace um, Blink with another teleporter, and it being magic. Yes, um, as, as as disappointed as I was to see blink blink away, I was like, "Oh, Ileana's in here. That could be fun. That could be a lot of fun, actually." I how did you feel about well. the the issue as a whole? But as a conclusion, uh, I think it it sets up so much, but it clearly is like, oh, "I have no idea what to do now." Now that we've infected Blink, and then we've made this plan about suiciding. And it's obviously I don't have the front cover, so the front cover is like one of these people will die, um, sort of thing. So it's like it sets up all but morph in a precarious position. Um, so you got Blink like dying on the table or being transformed. You got TJ like volunteering for a suicide mission, but they only need to be replaced by Cal. But you don't have morph in any true danger. So mm-hmm. I always thought Moff would survive. And I feel like the payoffs don't really... There's some nice sequences. Like, I think it was nice that Cal and Blink have a little moment together. Um, or should I say, Cal just talks at her. Um, but I don't think it's... I feel like that's... 
that's more justified than the the I can't believe she's a, she's injured bit when he's been treating her like dirt. Um, yeah. <laughs> but the but the whole like when she's actually injured and he talks to her, that feels like someone who actually has regret um, about his actions, about yeah. being like an ass. Mm-hmm. So that really worked. I, I feel like I loved Heather's little moment just as a character, just to give her some character, but. I, I yeah. feel like it was too easy. Like I feel like the whole conclusion was too easy because they built it up to be so hard. Like they're fighting like all these infected superheroes. Blink's been infected. Everything's gone to trash. And then it's just like, oh, we'll just summon literal Deus Ex Machina to. Um, we'll just do what every <coughs> Avengers story does when it can't be asked to finish it. We'll just bring Thor in. Um, yeah, I feel like all these like three part stories. The ending is always like, and we just wrapped it up. <laughs> and every time it's like, oh, we're building towards something. Oh, this could be deadly. Oh, oh, simple answer. Are we just done? Oh, okay. Like every because time. The beauty of the premise was always that they're expendable. Right. And we saw that with the first um, Magneto's kid when he died. Right. Um, the first mission. But no one else has been touched, really, apart from Thunderbird. So it feels like, uh, and once Thunderbird has, has gone, it was like, uh, and it, I feel like the, taking Clarice out the way they did was more like a backdoor into if she will return or not, rather than she's actually dead and someone's replaced her. Um, right. Because it would be, like, it would be shocking to, like, take out your main character like that, but... She's really the only character we've really explored in this book to a main extent. So, like, yeah, if we so... lose her, it'd be like, I don't know if I have an attachment to anyone else, really. You know, you need you need to like flesh out the other characters a little bit more if you wanted to do that. So, that if anyone left, you'd be like, oh shit, was this then? But it's not a bad issue. No, I just think it's really quickly like the elements that are about the cast, the bit with mimic, the bit at the end where Blink goes, are the only elements that seem to have any weight or do anything whereas the rest of it the actual story we're supposed to be invested in it's kind of just done like they yes. literally have like oh we've summoned them now it's and literally the page after is she's cured yes it's not even not even <laughs> not even like in, in, there was no doubt that these these gods will literally just walk across the earth curing them right so it's like it kind of just took all of <laughs> all of the sort of um even we've got like even when they try the whole oh carl carl can't hear us um he's going on with the mission anyway he might blow up the planet anyway it's done in seconds because blink's like oh, i'm right now boom done like yeah. she doesn't <laughs> she's not even you'd think that she 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 needs to rest to teleport right. or something, but no no she just does it i and then yeah i don't know i i want to say artwork wise this is not one of the stronger issues as well oh um, like what what I think tends to work well is, is technology uh, seems to be drawn really nicely and sometimes like the main character figures are nice but uh, people seem a little bit off model a lot of wonky face work it seems kind of kind of maybe a little bit rushed here I don't know but uh, we do get a change of artist after this don't we oh do we okay interesting yeah uh, this is this may be the last I think this is the last time for a long time that um, Califiori Okay. Isn't it? So, uh-huh. I also think, yeah, uh, not just a change of artists, we're getting, like, full-on changes of um, 
groups, the group, if you know what I mean. Right. Well, that would so, be interesting. Like, um, uh, this may be, I think this is Judd last issue. Mm. If well, that makes sense. If it is, then it kind of does make sense for Blink to be blinking out then, for him. I think until like 31, I want to say 31, um, it isn't Judd Wittick. Okay. But um, we shall see. Well, we shall see. Yeah, we'll see. It was it was all right, yeah. Just, it was it was fine. This was fine. It was fine. But compared to Excalibur, it was pretty good. Yeah, I'd say it's... Um, I really like the color work in this one. It's the first time I've actually enjoyed it. I feel like um, they managed to... Somehow they've managed to make it work for them. They yeah, definitely the keep improving on the colors. That's for sure. But I agree with you. It, some Some of the panels are just like... Is he squinting or is he breaking? Is he having a nervous breakdown or? Yeah. But let's move on to, to your favorite uh, <clears throat> issue of the of the month of the year. <laughs> I know Excalibur. You remember when we started off with like, oh my god, Excalibur is so good. How could it ever be bad? And now we're like, oh man, how could Excalibur ever be good again? That's that's the part that we're into right now because we're still still neck deep in the. Cross Time Caper, um, issue number 21. Uh, Chris Claremont writer, uh, Chris Wozniak, the penciler, Al Milgram's inker, Brad Vancata is the colorist, Tom Wozniakowski is the letterer, Terry Cavanaugh is editor, and um, Tom DeFalco is the lord of all he surveys, apparently. Um, so on the cover of this uh, issue of Excalibur, we have someone who looks like Captain Britain with a, a weird, like leather frilly vest kind of thing um <laughs> being laughed at by everyone else i assume they're just like laughing at his costume <laughs> and it tries to homage the original cover obviously uh, but it, it doesn't succeed no um i just like that our little dragon buddy is having a having good old guffaw at this costume at least i think that's what's happening either that or he's having a seizure i don't know Either way, uh, either way, either way. It's not a, it's not a good cover, but uh, you know this isn't a Captain Britain. His name is Crusader X because we needed something really bland to call this dude. And uh, what was the book we we like covered in issue four with Jason? Major X or whatever. Well, yeah. Yes. Yes. Major X. Yes. Uh, so this is just Crusader X, and he's flying around Britain. Uh, he's flying around London, rather, just like. Talking about how lovely London Inn is when uh, it's quiet. And I got to tell you, Dan, when I was in London, you know, after the lights went out, it was much quieter than a lot of the cities I've been in. <laughs> I was really surprised. You're nice, nice and peaceful at night. It was, it was, it was nice. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he's flying around, and then who should show up but Brigadier Alistair Stewart with his twin sister who I didn't know existed Alice Sand and uh, police liaison commander Di Thomas and they're upset because something mysterious has appeared it's it's our faithful oh, faithful it's the crazy train everyone's been on and we realize we're in another place 
and our heroes are missing and this train has landed in another London and Crusader X has been tasked to find them. And so this Crusader X has maybe some different kind of powers because he's able to like hone in on the powers of our heroes and track them down uh, yeah. just, just because. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Kitty is in bed. Uh, because Courtney Ross is taking care of her, and Courtney Ross goes through a lot of body dysmorphia throughout these panels. <laughs> um, Kitty also has like the longest face I've ever seen. Um, it's this is not a well drawn book. This is it's like really wonky, and the coloring is just like I'll throw yellow on this and blue on this and green on this, and I'm done coloring. Uh, I don't know <laughs> what's going on with these pages, but I don't I don't know how much time they put into this one, Dan. Not, I feel like as much time as the creatives did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Katie's upset because she, she, it's hard for her not to be intangible, and she talks to Courtney, and they're upset. And all right, uh, then we 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 see a, a different Jean Grey who's driving around, and who you know, it's hard to make a redhead at Xavier's mansion not look like Jean Grey, but this does not quite look like Jean Grey. It looks like some other creation, and she's she's driving around the mansion, and then suddenly. <clears throat> Jason Wingard appears and has turned her into the Shadow Queen, and she's having visions, and then she gets done with her visions, and when she wakes up, her car has changed into the Batmobile, and she's suddenly in, like, red leather, so I don't know what's going on here. She's having issues. Um, uh, Then we pan over to Rachel, who's sort of simultaneously experiencing all of this. Uh, She's having trouble dealing with it and her face is puffed up like a chipmunk's face uh in these, these panels you see this it's so weird yes uh it's and she's also become she used to be like a skinny like punk rock like death metal kind of look and now she's like super buff um wrestler kind of a look it looks like a whole different person yep pretty much yes so uh, she's experiencing problems uh, then we hear about this world's uh, hellfire club which is uh, ruled from behind the scenes by none, none other than who, Dan? The Shadow King? The Shadow King, yeah. So he's I was tr- confused. Yeah. <laughs> so he's been using the Hellfire Club to blah, 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 blah. He's using Jason Wingard to try and take over Jean Grey. And for some reason, Iron Man is like working with him, kind of, maybe, or for him. I don't know. It's not really clear. But they, have, they, they talk a little bit and... Uh, and uh, Shadow King's like, yeah, I will, I will be the master of all. So that that's happening. Uh, then we go back to uh, our normal Excalibur Earth, and we get to see um, my my maybe my my current favorite uh, Braddock, Jamie Braddock, just being all like crazy, kinky, weird, uh, fighting villains, turning them into puppies, and then making those puppies his pets. Um, and this is all just colored in just like patches of weird, strange colors and terrible, like blocked inking. It's just, it just feels messy and, and ugly. So, uh, the, the least we, t- less we talk about this artwork, the better. Do you understand what's happening with these pages? I just, I, I, I can't. There's a page soon, which just looks like the worst thing I've ever seen. It's okay. Well, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Jamie and um, oh boy, oh boy. Yep. So Jamie, Jamie, you know, escapes. Not escapes. He drives off with his new pet dog. And then we're back to the Crusaders dimension, 
And uh, Jean Grey's like, no, Wolfsbane, I can't play with you right now. And the idea that Wolfsbane, when she turns into a wolf, is just like wants to play fetch or something is kind of hilarious to me. Yes. Uh, and then Cannonball crashes into her and there's a thing and and whatever. And she's still like, I'm going to be the shadow, whatever, and blah, 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 blah. And, and uh, it's like, can we, can we be done with this already? Uh, then we cut back to Rachel, who's still experiencing this. And uh, they get attacked by Crusader X, and Nightcrawler gets punched. And then uh, Rachel sort of blocks uh, Crusader X until Jean Grey gets killed. And then Rachel, like, freaks out and flies away. And then Scott, or Kurt gets punched some more in some really terrible panels. Um, and then he's, he's taken away by Crusader X. And I, I love that he's, like, like, ev- like everything with Brian quote he says every so often there really is something to be said for a judicious application of brute force and in my head I'm, I'm thinking that's all you ever do it's not like you ever use your brain all you do is like punch stuff like yeah yeah it's not every so often it's every often it's like every moment is all you do is punch so nightcrawler is captured and then our excalibur people come in and they're like oh he's been captured we got to track him down then Rachel finds Jean Grey, and she's been killed, and she's all upset. And then, anger! And, and up next, Shadow's triumphant. It is... I was just glad this was over, is all I can say. <laughs> I don't know about you, Dan, but this was like, what are we doing here? Right, so, to unpack the year's worth of trauma that this book has given me. Um, <laughs> no, that final page is the most hideous... It's just, it's just, proportions are all wrong. I feel like, um, I feel like I was reading sort of a really sort of a really sort of eighties British comic that sort of just trades on angles. I don't know. It just, it isn't good. Like visually, it's just a mess. It. It makes the but the makes the story incoherent, and it's the story is already utterly incoherent. Like yes. I generally don't understand why Jean's in it. I don't understand why we're even in this universe. I feel like it's mm. a two part story. I generally think that uh, the the strength of the Crossan Caper has always been in its done in one stories at the beginning, like the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Whereas these these two parts are just filling out time because uh, we should probably see what he was writing at the same time because. Clearly, he was doing something else in the other books, which was more important. Right. Uh, he won't let his death grip go of the X books. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I, there's um, there's a Claremont documentary on Hulu or Amazon that I just watched, and it's not a great documentary. It's kind of really cheaply made, but it focuses. It feels like he kind of produced it, and it talks about how you know during this period he was writing everything, and they wanted to take the books away, but he wasn't willing to do it. But also, they want to take some of the books away to give them to like people who you really wouldn't want to be writing the books. So I don't know how I feel, you know. Like, do you want to give Excalibur to um, to uh, to Jim Lee to write? Because I don't know if I feel like that would make things any better. I just I think um, it feels like a, a, a creative fart. Like we're literally watching him just defecate on the page uh, with his words. There's so so many words, many words. especially like, at the beginning. Yeah, there was no need for that many words, especially with the fact that the colors are so muddy mm-hmm. that 
it just it just makes a, the bright white of the words just explode off the page and that's not the thing that should be drawing your eye all the web balloons are not the thing that should be drawing your eye on a page i just i feel like um the book is totally uh overbaked and but underdone at the same time like one of those cakes where you take it out of the oven and it looks fine but once you cut into it, it just goo in the middle because you haven't cooked it properly um <laughs> that's literally what this feels this feels like it just there's not i can't even say that um there's any potential here anymore because I think they've squandered the potential of the top across time caper. Um, like I've said before, I feel like when nostalgia goes on, people hear the words cross time caper and they're like, Oh yeah, the cross time. but they only remember like the four chapters out of the 20 something. They're actually any good. Um, the book just, it's just it, it's almost as on it's on autopilot it's it just it just feels like there's, there's there's no one driving the ship it's just going through the motions we're now on the mastermind and the shadow king for literally no reason um no reason at all it just, it, it just seems like a waste of time yeah i don't know why we have to have multiple issues of just things no one's interested in sudden and they're very sudden and they're drawn so like grotesquely i'm like these aren't these aren't the characters like you like christian claremont you you kind of created the book a lot of these characters you've been involved with a long time they don't feel like like things are going well like you understand what's happening here you're preoccupied it's it's sad um but i would this was this was a chore to get through dan that's what i can say um yeah I felt like after reading this, I my parents should give me my weekly allowance for doing my chores because this was tough. Like I just, just I cleaned my room and I did the dishes and I took out the trash and like pay pay me to read this book, please. It's like the enthusiasm for um, these developers just being each individual issue is just sucking the mm. life out of, out of the series. Totally. Um, I feel like once I don't feel like it gets better. Until Alan Davis returns properly, but I feel like once we at least leave the cross time caper, it kind of we kind of move move away from it being as random, and the stories start to become a little bit. Well, it might not be. Maybe I'm just imagining it being better. Um, <laughs> anything, anything better, to be fair. Well, man, I don't. Let's see, cross time caper looks like episode. Episode looks like uh, uh, issue twenty two is still cross time. Twenty three is cross time. Twenty four is cross time. Twenty five is cross time. Uh, I don't know. Twenty six. No, no. Then it says cross time caper episode. So issue twenty five cross time caper is still over. I'm not sure what that means. That doesn't make sense. It looks like 26 is when the cross time paper finally is finished. Yeah, so we've only got. Hold on, let me let me scroll one more. Yep, 26. So we've only got. Oh boy, just like four more issues of this. You ready? Are you excited? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like yeah, but some of it's Alan Davis. So okay, uh, drawing. I feel like there is one more real cross time cape. Yeah, because I feel like twenty four is the final chapter, mm-hmm. like the final. And I feel like twenty five is kind of like the, the epilogue. 
to it. So great. Because you need an epilogue once you've rinsed it for all it's worth. You need to. But anyway, moving on. <laughs> Please, let's um, move on, Dan. Where are we? Where, how are we going to wrap up this this episode? Well, with more boredom. To be to be fair, like um, it's that sort of inane boredom that the Xbox Xbox sometimes pick up, like pull out of of their ass, and it's um, Generation X number ten, which is caught in the coils of Omega Red, which is a blatant lie. In fact, a blatant lie. This front cover. I know we always discuss this, and it's always a lie. But after a, after what's recently happened in my country, lies just upset me even more than before. Uh-huh. But yes, on on this um, wonderful cover, we have Jono being basically crushed to death by Omega Red. Uh-huh. Um, the colour works okay, and it is Bacalo, but I'm hesitant to say it's great or... It feels like a rush job. Does that make sense? Definitely, Omega Red is is really like much more sketchier than I'm I'm used to Bacalo's artwork being. Mm. But alas, he's alive, and he's here. Yeah. That sounds like a threat, though, isn't it? Like he's he's here for us to upset us all. But yes, um, so this is kind of like a just a, a fluff piece, a start of a new arc. Um, Scott Lobdell is writing. Uh, Tom Grummet, uh, Grummet is the penciler and has clearly lost all skill since he moved off from Superboy. Yeah. Um, we have four inkers, Buckingham, Milgram, I want to say Dennington, and Fern. We have Stevie uh, Butchaletto and Electric Crown on colours, and we have Richard Starkings and Comic Craft on letters. And Bob Harass is editing the book. Hmm. Someone's doing that. So we do. We we start with um, Angelo and Paige, and they're getting ready for a fancy little do. And I do like the visual of him tying his tie, but tying all of his fingers together. I think that's a clever. Totally, um, yeah. It's not the best executed, but the one thing that um, Grummet does well is actually skin. I think he does a really good Angelo. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not. Like you can't. It's not fair to compare it to the Bacalo, but um, I think he really nails like the sort of malleable feel that Angela has. Sure. As opposed to Paige, who no longer is that teenage girl we saw four issues ago, and is a buxom uh, young supermodel. Uh-huh. Um, of course. And we have four pages of sort of recap. If you it. Thing, thing, listeners. We didn't read X, uh, Generation X ninety five, which is a which is the annual for the for the um, year, mm-hmm. and we introduced the Gen Xs to Mondo finally, and essentially that's all that happened. And Penance went into a coma. That's about it. Um, but it clearly, it just just in case you have missed that, it basically catches you up um, as quick as it can. And then we see Mondo, who I generally. Like, he's he's a, he's a South Pacifica, right? Right. Uh, I want to say like <laughs> Bermuda or something. But um, he's all happy in his Hawaiian. Is he actually from Hawaii? That'd make more sense as well. <laughs> he's all happy in his, in his Hawaiian shirt, um, and he's all slapping people across the floor and speaking in a very bizarre way. Um, 
and then the rest of the party is just people saying that other people are upset. M tries to go and console Jubilee, but Jubilee's having none of it, but appreciates appreciates the offer because M's concerned about Banshee, so M goes flies to find Banshee. She monologues about how she's weird and that they'll find out soon enough because Bob Dell started the really heavy-handing what is M question Yeah, like in the annual. And now it's because we've seen her like um, space out a few times. And now be prepared, listeners, for it to be smacked over the face just before he leaves the book and doesn't answer the question. (laughs) 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 Someone else has to do it anyway. Um, So, yeah, so we find out that she has telepathic capabilities, which I think she's had before, but not talking to people. Mm -hmm. So she's like, oh, no, the shit's all over the floor. Um Banshee's dead, essentially. And then she's told, uh, Emma tells her to take um, Banshee to the infirmary. She just bulldozes through some walls to get there. She also has the ability to instantly know how to work on machinery, because why not? Um, Emma, whose hair colour can't be consistent from panel to panel, uh, goes straight there, and her Omega level, level telepathy allows her to drop on the floor like she's drunk but she's inside Banshee stopping him from dying because apparently there's a sliver of him left and they have to go find his soul um I think it's his soul and so Jono now has like loads of other powers Jono who has the most immense cranial um forehead like he looks like he's an alien with those eyebrow cranium oh yeah on um Apparently he has new psychic powers because I know he could talk psychically and he could like fire the fire from his jaw, but I didn't know he could do all the stuff he's about to do. Um, and then we move, um, have a little in- interlude to England uh, to Miss uh, Edgerton's estate where DOA is there and so is um, Mplate. And it's, they talk about revenge against Jono, so that'll be a fun thing to see in about four time. And then uh, our kids, minus Mondo and Jubilee, drive out to find out who took Banshee's soul slash life slash whatever. Astral form, um, yeah. Um, and Skin's driving. Um, Jono's kind of like searching with him telepathically and Sink decides to sync up with Jono so he can also find him. Meanwhile, inside... Uh, Banshee's brain, Emma's having a bit of a uh, time of her life following the number of him as he's like some sort of spy yes. dude. <laughs> yes. He's a spy dude who nearly gets caught red-handed perving on a lady. Then he shatters a chandelier, runs out the window, and Emma's just like totally hot for him. Yeah, and yeah, she's falling for him. Just because he's a spy. And then the police are chasing our kids and John was like, no, drive off the broken bridge, I know. And then M catches them because Jono knew it was happening because they're a team and he trusts in teams. The logic there is like every English person, I suppose. You just assume things happen, I don't know. Oh, can we just say that Jono's speech is the worst English I've heard since the earlier issues of Excalibur? Um, I saw, I saw, I don't remember if it was uh, this or if it was uh, Excalibur, but someone said Breckers and I was like, huh. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) 
And so we're back inside Sean's mind, and uh, Emma's just watching him sleep, because you do, as you do. And then Magneto, I assume it's Magneto, turns up and offers him a position. Then Emma's like, how long have we been in this game between Magneto and Charles? The end. Um, Jubilee's upset that Penance is asleep, or in a coma, uh, and she's going to, she's sort of vowing to sort of get revenge. Then the kids are in the forest. And are attacked by um, Omega Red, who's going to teach them the final test. Be- for reasons. Like, for, for why? Why? I don't know. But they're in real trouble now. Mm. We're the ones in no. trouble, Dan. We have to read this. Right. So, like, this plays, and I'm not dissing the New Mutants or anything like that. This plays like a super average New Mutant issue. Like uh-huh. a super average. Um, a super average issue of just things are happening. Um, it reminds me of TV, like a TV cartoon sure, episode. Sure, sure. Um, not, I don't know, not that I think that TV cartoon episodes can't be fantastic in 22 minutes, but it just feels like really Saturday morning cartoon rather than a decent... And then it feels like there's padding as well, which is in, insane when you think that a comic's only 22 pages long. This was all padding, um, it felt like. Yeah, it felt like a fit, like it's a filler issue. And some, some elements are necessary. Catch up what happened in the annual. That makes sense, because some people don't buy annuals. Um, and we didn't read it, so, you know, uh-huh. useful, to, useful for us. That made sense. Introducing Mondo made sense. The rest of it is just like, oh, this is happening. And it's like, if you wanted to tell a story about uh, Banshee's past, why convolute it by making him, his soul or whatever the fuck, has been taken by Omega Red? Which I didn't even know that's what Omega Red does. Pretty sure it's uh, not what he does. I think he just takes energy off people. I didn't yeah, know, like, yeah. The astral life. But yeah. Why Why go through this convoluted... Because the kids could just fight Omega Red. Like, he could just turn up at the school. That 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 can also happen. That That's a thing that... I would love to see Bacalo draw, like, Generation X versus Omega Red. That would be fun to see. Because you could have um, Banshee and Emma going on a trip together. Or, Ban- you know... Um, because or you could have Banshee going to meet someone who's from his past, therefore he's having flashbacks. Right. Or he talks about his past. You don't have to have what's happening now, just so Emma can fall in love with him. You could just have Emma fall in because, like, Lubdell is better than this. We've literally yes. read about yes eight issues way better than like this in character work, and I feel like this is just lazy character work, and then just throwing a villain that people recognize at the end. That, that's all it feels like. Well, maybe he was sort of on his way out, kind of like he was. Maybe he was he was bored with it. I don't know. It does feel like someone. Uh, the script does feel like someone that isn't really into the 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 concept they're writing. Much like when it was the fantasy bit as well. Yeah. But yeah, it's very much of its time. Very much sort of run of the mill. Very much DC house style. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't really play any favors. I do like the way he draws skin most of the time. I think the girls are way too over-sexualized. Again, of course, yeah. Not as bad as whoever was drawing just legs and a head. Um, <laughs> but, 
the girls are really se- over-sexualized, and I think the color work's kind of drab, making yes. the whole thing. That was I my problem the, more than anything was the color work. Mondo doesn't actually look like a real human skin tone. Nope. And he definitely doesn't look like the same color he was in previous in- incarnations, where he, he he's passive color. Here he looks kind of like a muddy green color. Yeah. And I don't understand... It's like, because Everett looks black, and, and that, you know, he's because he's black. And, like, um, Monet is... Uh, she's from... Where is Monet from? Um, it's like, not Algeria. Is it Algeria? I think it's like Algeria. Also. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She, looks, she doesn't look black. She looks more like... Um, um, sort of Egyptian. Sort of that kind of Middle Eastern. Yeah, area. yeah. Um, and so they, those two have got like distinct colors, and they've always had distinct colors. And Mondo comes along, and when we first met Mondo, he was clearly a person of color, and now he's like weirdly muddy green. And I'm like, what? Why is he muddy green? <laughs> like, what's that? Is that a, color, a skin tone? <laughs> like, that just makes no sense to me. It just adds to the drabness of the rest of the book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. It felt really drab. That's a good word for it. I really didn't like the color work here at all. Um, uh, like it wasn't. It just feels like bright splotches. Uh, not a lot of nuance to it. And um, like the the scenes like during the party where like the windows is like all painted green and the background's all red and it's like it just everything feels clashing and like Monet's skin is is like reflect in like an odd way and I <laughs> yeah maybe they just love throwing different filters over the filler of black or something yeah it was just not pleasant no it's just, yeah. but anyway that was um the three issues uh it was a hard week it's been a hard month this is it was definitely a hard a hard month of issues here i Personally, my favorite Mondo will always be the Generation Next Mondo. Like the guy who can't talk really well, but like the really sweetheart who like kind of sacrifices yeah. himself for the team. It's like, oh, oh yeah, I like that dude. This Mondo, not that we've had a whole lot of time with him, but I'm like, I could take him or leave him. There's nothing going on there. Yeah, he just, he just slaps people. <laughs> that seems to be the final trait is that he's happy. Um, yeah. Which is a thing, but... Yeah, maybe, maybe we'll fall in love with him once we have more of him in the book. But to uh, to I someone think... who didn't read the the annual, I was like, uh, sure, I guess he's he's here now. I think it just needs a bit more of an injection of um, like style, aesthetic style, because it's so hard for a book to sort of recover once it's made like a visual um, statement. Definitely, um, like. I can I can only um, think of like say something that said when when you, when you think of I don't know astonishing X Men um, is John Cassidy for pretty much twenty four issues and then it changes into totally other people and I think the book sort of suffers from that change or, or, or even X Men Red um, Red Azra for so many issues and then once he left the book it visually became. Still a good book, but the visuals didn't really live up to the right. Right. Freedom. I think here it's not as a. Those were maybe more gentle shifts. This feels like a, a nosedive from um, back below. Yeah. Um, 
And it's just weird that Bacalo, I don't, I'd love to know why and where Bacalo went um, after this. If you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I wonder, you know, he never really has a long run on anything. I wonder if he just gets bored with it. You know, he's like, all right, I'm done. I'm moving on. And he's like, he tells Marvel, you got something else? And they're like, well, you're really great. We want to keep you doing something. So how about this? He's like, yeah, I'll do that for like four issues. <laughs> and they're like, uh, okay. So he's he's just a wandering soul, I guess. Probably. <laughs> well, Dan, this, despite the lackluster performance of these books, um, it's fun to talk about them with you. Appreciate it. Yes. Uh, hopefully next month will be, well, we'll still have the cross time caper and, uh, but, but maybe, maybe something else will, do you know, let's, let's, let's take another trip through time. Let's, let's jump ahead to an issue or two for generation X and, and see who the creatives are. Maybe, maybe things will be, maybe things will pick up. We have uh writer, mm-hmm. Scott Lobdell and Todd Dezago with penciler Val Semeckis. Any idea? No, I don't actually. It's weird because, like, the next time we read all of them, um, Exiles is going to be Chuck Austin with Kev, Kev Walker um, as the penciler. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be completely different. So it feels like nearly all of the issues will have different eyes, or at least be different. Maybe mm-hmm. not Excalibur. Excalibur will be the same. Right. But, well, that'll be interesting. All right. All right. Well, that was uh, our sort of classic episode of this month but uh dan we got a surprise don't we yes we're not only doing the classics we're doing the uh new hits as well the new hits well. that's a good way to put it <laughs> yeah uh in the the very next uh episode which will probably be coming out a, a, a day or, or maybe a week after this one we'll cover uh excalibur issues two and three uh as well as new mutants issues one and two so all the uh, all the top forty hits will we bring to you, and I'm excited about about that episode. That'll be a lot of, of fun to talk about, I think. Yes, uh, especially since uh, Rod Reyes drawing anything is just, you know, you know how we we fawn over uh, uh, um, Bacalo. I'm kind of fawning over Reyes with these new mutants issues. It's just like this guy's hitting it in every way, in all the right ways. I agree. But anyway, spoilers for next time. Spoilers for next time, exactly. All right, well, where can everyone find us, Dan? You can find us on Podbean at podbean.com forward slash Excalibur. You can also find us on Twitter at Excalibur's1. Um, and if you type Excalibur's into, into Google, and it said Excalibur's into Excalibur's, then that would have been like a mindfuckery of its own. Um, if you type us into Google, we are there at the top, being all happy and joyous. Yes, that's where you can find us. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening, and uh, you'll 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 hear from us quite quite soon. Bye. Bye bye.